This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. All right, so this is a, a topic that has dominated the headlines, dominated a lot of people's um, consciousness, mystified, annoyed. Um, I mean, there are people out there that, you know, you see them, they're celebrating, you know, the, 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 think that this is the greatest thing ever. And, and that is the leaked memorandum, the Supreme Court memorandum, um, evidently written by Justice Alito that suggests, in short, that Roe v. Wade could be overturned. And, you know, we think back to Rhode Island and, and, and codifying Roe v. Wade ostensibly here in the state and many leaders saying, oh, it'll never get overturned. I mean, that's complete nonsense. I mean, it's, it's made up. You guys are crazy. But here we are. It hasn't happened yet. There could be public pressure to make it such that it doesn't happen. But we're in a very uncomfortable position in terms of of women's rights, healthcare rights, so on and so forth. And joining us right now is uh, Jocelyn Foy of the Women's Project to break this down. And I don't even know where to start. It's like one of those things where like, I I don't know. I mean, (laughs) let's start on on the positive. Let's start on the positive. Take us away. Yeah. Because they're just like, okay, we get it now. 
So it's this pipeline of activism and education as well. So the bill passed, and what that did is it codified the right, meaning for people who have insurance in, in, in Rhode Island that covers abortion, that makes it safe to get the abortion. But for people who are in insurance plans that don't cover abortion, they can go. They would still have to go to a clinic. We have two in the state that um, that do that. Or um, if you're on Medicaid or a state worker, in the case of, of Rhode Island specifically, too, we don't have that coverage. And so, at the federal level, that's called the Hyde Amendment. That was a guy named Hyde came in and he shut down that right, and he shut down a pathway for a lot of um, conservative states to make it difficult for people to be able to um, get that coverage if they were a state worker on this health plan, this state subsidized health plan. So what we're trying to fight for is, is while we passed a bill that ostensibly covers people who have the means to have the insurance coverage that covers abortion, because we all know that every insurance plan is different, everyone is so difficult to understand what is included and what's not, we absolutely know that the state workers and Medicaid recipients in Rhode Island do not have that right. So we are fighting ostensibly against the Hyde Amendment, and we're, we're fighting for poor folks, the folks who have to have Medicaid, and for folks who are working with us and for us every day at the state level and state offices. And there's just so much in there, you know, because it does start out with, with this like you say, a, a victory, if you will, inside of, of the states, uh, inside of the state house, inside in terms of uh, codification here within the state. And, but it drifts very quickly into this scary moment. Very quickly. And, you know, it's crazy because you have a lot of generally some general assembly members who will say to us, oh, well, we took care of that in 2019. The abortion issue is gone. And we agree. The abortion issue is gone. The race equity issue is not. So we as a state are not willing, once again, to acknowledge that we have a blind spot and that is taking care of everyone. We've said, okay, the wealthy folks can get it. So the Movement Project has really been working to say, hate to, you know, hate to call it out to y'all, but we've got a racism issue here, yeah. you know, and that's really what is hard. And, and people don't like to be called racist, um, you know, I think that we're at a point with the leakage of, of the decision that we here at the One Project have decided we don't care <laughs> what yeah. we think. And it's sort of time to say, you know, call it like it is. So we have folks who think that this was passed in the General Assembly. This part is protection for all Rwandans. We're like, no. We have people who thought that, um, you know, everyone would be able to... Um, get the access they need if they didn't have it and we're like you realize there's only two clinics and they're both centralized in in providence so if you're someone living in newport and you don't have a car then we're ostensibly looking at abortion deserts in our own state where often many of these national reports say oh rhode island's good it's like are you freaking kidding like no not at all but yeah. that's an easy that's an easy summary to make yeah and, and i want to get to efforts to include, you know, to a bu budget amendments and Governor McKee and, and, and so on yeah. and so forth. But I, but I can't let it pass either. You know, the, yeah. the, this notion that we're hearing, I mean, I, I was at the last, the, the first gubernatorial debate and, you know, Ashley Kalis, the, the Republican candidate for governor or one of, one of two, the primary candidate for governor, you know, says, look, you know, I'm, I'm personally pro-life, but 
in Rhode Island, we've, it doesn't make any difference. We're, we've protected the right to an abortion here anyway. It doesn't make any difference. Alan Fung, who is running for Congress and, and quite frankly has a good shot at winning the Congressional District 2 race, has a similar approach here. It, it, it's, it's either willingly ignoring the reality or at some point information has been so distorted that, that the GOP in this state, which look, that's part of their platform, I guess, is to say that abortion is not health care, whatever it is, for whatever reason, they, they, I don't know if it's religious fanatics um, if it's if it's playing into uh, national politics, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, um, they're not willing to be honest about this. What's your message to to conservatives who are putting it out there that Rhode Island has full access to abortion for everybody? Well, I mean, they're not doing their work. It's like that's an easy thing to say because it's of the time, but it's wrong. It's misinformation. And basically, we're looking for them to step up and show true leadership and not skirt away from the big A word, which so many people hate to say, which is abortion. And we need to destigmatize that. We need to just call it what it is. It's a healthcare procedure. And it's basically taking care of the health and well being of some of their constituents. And it's time for them to kind of deal with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's something that, you know, I would love to be able to say to all folks is like, look, we're at a juncture in this country, in this state, where we are all struggling with so many things. There's so much going on. Like, take it from just health with COVID versus school education issues, like the whole nine yards. But what we're kind of looking for is, is that folks get, at this point, the right to make the decision for what's best for them. We're looking for people to have the right to get the access, but not to tell them what is best for them to do. So, mm. you know, I think that it's incredible. We hear so much in the COVID debate where people are just like, I want to be able to make the best decision for what's best for me when it comes to vaccinations. We'd like that to be able to apply to abortion. And so we're really looking at like this sticky wicket here where we have so much science behind the fact that these are safe procedures and these folks will be taken care of and the life and health outcomes of a mother are prioritized. And we really need we need them to have the space. We need our religious, um, you know, folks to really kind of dig into the preachings of their churches, which just is like, you know, do it to others as you'd want them to do to you. And so here we are at this moment where we hope that there is some sort of space for folks to be able to be trusted that they can make that best decision for themselves right. and not have government get included in that in that way. Yeah, it's it's being able to separate the policy of of on a governmental level from that of a personal level, which in many instances is very intertwined. I, I understand that, you know, there are things that are universally, you know, criminal, you know, rape, yeah. murder, da, 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 like that, that we can all agree on. Okay. Well, yeah, you can't say, well, I'm personally in favor of rape. I understand it's against the law, but you know, I'm personally like, but common sense, common sense. Argument about why COVID vaccinations are more healthy and you know should be standardized than an abortion yeah. debate over choice too. So it's it's all there's nuance there, but I think that I would ask anyone who is of spiritual understanding is to sort of dig in and think about how we need to put faith in others to take care of themselves mm. if they're showing all the means that they can. I think that we're at a place where that's where we need to go. And and it's a humanitarian, it's a it's like a 
we're looking to build dignity into culture. <laughs> right. But, you know, anyway. Yeah, it's just, it's just such a hard, uh, I don't even know what, you know, I don't even know how to address this, this, this issue other than, you know, it's just one of those things that, that I, that I have a hard time. There are things that, that people who have different political philosophies put forth from time to time that I may even fundamentally disagree with, but I, I sit there and I think, well, I can see where you're coming from. Let's have this debate on, on, I mean, even with vaccination, like I am fully pro-vaccination, like I'm vaxxed, boosted. I, I think I think it all makes perfect sense. But when Sam Bell put forth a bill that would require, codify that you had, you must be vaccinated or you'll be fined. I said, well, wait a second. I'm not sure. I, I kind of hear the opposition on this. I, I don't necessarily agree with the opposition, but I get where they're coming from. On this, I just, I cannot figure it out because it's not as if, you know, abortion is being mandated and everyone has that, you know, it's not, this is in China where like every, you know, second birth or every, whatever it is has to, you know, is, is subject to abortion. I mean, it's just, it's, it's weird that it's become the type of topic that it's become. And I find it stunning that we're even having this conversation right now. I know. And I mean, you know, I think that there's a couple of things. I think that we're at that moment where, you have a lot of activists saying, well, then I think we should just force them to have to have vasectomies at the age of yeah. 18, and then that can be reversed, and how does that make them feel? And it's like, look, I don't want anyone to have to go into any procedure that, you know, puts them under a knife. Like, less less in hospitals, the better. But I think that there's this question of, with the overturning of this bill at the federal level, what is going to happen is, is there's a new precedent that will have been formed, right? So there will be a right that will be taken away from more than 50% of our country's population, which is the right to be able to do this kind of thing that's a person choosing what's best for them when it comes to a health procedure. And then that opens the door to so many other incredible, like progressive, but progressive is not even the right word, decent legislation, like the right to be married to same sex, the right to be able to have contraception, the right to be able to... um, Oh my God, I listened to this whole thing yesterday that broke it all down. I encourage everyone to listen to a podcast called um, Cafe. It's called The Insider with the former um, Attorney General Preet Bharar. who's mm-hmm. talking about this from a legal perspective, but then he really makes it simple too. And so it's just, it, it's like this bill opens a precedent that so many other Supreme Court decisions can follow, which puts so much civil... Um, security and safety into into question and at the hands of, of a really tough situation. And, you know, all the conversations of, well, does our Supreme Court truly represent, you know, the, this, this country anymore and all those questions. I don't understand the law. Like, that's not my expertise per se. I mean, it, basically, I need to get there. I need to really start really learning and be able to talk about it more. But what it does do is it says, you know, we are at a moment where a right is being taken away and that that feels just so violating. And I think that um, let's start from that place, right? And then what does that do? I had had an interview um, and I was asked, you know, well, there's the Republican Party saying when they have a majority, they're going to try and pass a bill that's going to make Roe, or excuse me, abortion illegal across the country. And how does that make me feel as as a woman and 
and I will say for folks listening, I'm a cis white woman, and um, and what that means to me is is that you know, like everything right now, it reminds me that first of all, this right is still real. This reminds me that people will find ways to do things. It's just not going to be in the safety of possibly clinics or hospitals. And so that just brings into it levels of, of, of security questions. And I think that, unfortunately, in this country, we're going to have to see some horrible things for, for hearts and minds to change. And that's just so upsetting because we've already seen it. You know, we've had 50 years of this fight. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm here just shaking my head because it's, it's, it's such a wild thought of how, of what, of what this could tip off in terms of additional things being overturned that seem just common sense. And you mentioned same-sex marriage and I mean, the list goes on and, and just looking at countries where these rights are not either legal or they're very, very dubiously legalized and still stigmatized in a, in a serious way. I mean, we're, we cannot allow the Western world, the globe as a whole, the global South, whatever, we, we should be moving forward as a whole and leading that charge and not regressing into, you know, banana Republic type of, of laws. Um, I'd ask here in these last, um, this last minute or so, obviously equity and access is the charge here in Rhode Island right now in terms of for those, as you say, who are state workers, Medicaid, Medicare, yeah. so on and so forth. Um, what, what are, what are, you know, big picture aside, because obviously the big picture is, is fighting to ensure that this memorandum doesn't go any further than just that, a memorandum. But right now, what is your call to action to, to folks? There's been rallies. What, what's your call to action? Great question. Oh, our call to action at the moment is if you're fired up, if you're feeling like you really need to, um, you really want to help, we have a website that's called stopabortionbansri.org, and it will give you calls to action right away. So there's going to be a bill this Thursday, a bill hearing in the House Finance Committee. So the way the, the process works, right, is they start in committee, and then they go to the floor for a full vote, and then the governor can sign it. So we're calling on the governor, one, to to do a, a budget amendment for the 2023 budget. Now that's tricky because that means if this ruling is actually decided in June, we'll still have six or five and a half months where people would be without the right. Yeah. So we're calling on the House and the Senate to bring these bills to the floor for a vote. We have majority vote in the House and Senate, but we have to get them out of the committees. And that's the game that's being played right now with leadership and the House and Senate side. They don't want to get them out of committees. They don't even want to get them into committees, frankly. Like, there's been a lot of talk there. So um, we have a we do have a committee hearing on this on the finance and finance for the House on Thursday. So we would ask folks if they're willing. We would love, love, love them to submit testimony. If you go to that webpage I mentioned. We will have um, a letter to the editor kit you can write. That's a really great way to get involved, how to get testimony, a testimony writing kit. Um, reach out to us and ask for help. We have a team that's standing by to get people signed up. And if you feel like you have the energy and the interest and the flair, we would love you physically in the state house. We're starting to need to be an actual presence in the state house again, where we're standing out and cheering and rallying with signs. You don't have to talk to anyone. You can just stand in there, attend it with a sign, and hang it, hand it, and like hold it up. Um, 
But we're calling on the leadership of the House and Senate to get it out of committee. So the ask is, like, skip the committee proceedings. Yeah. They don't have to do that. That is a procedural thing. But um, we know that leadership is doing that so that they can make sure that this bill doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, they don't want to see it for their election years and for their members because nobody wants to have to use the A word again. Bingo. So That's exactly we're it. people to use the power of their voice and the power of momentum. So Thursday. Thursday's the big one. Thursday, Thursday's the big one to start. Jocelyn Foy with the Women Project here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. 